on a journey towards perfection. Something we'll never achieve because the point is not to the point is not to achieve perfection. The point is to be engaged in the struggle towards achieving perfection. And that, that, in, that in its own right is a valuable point that we need to that we need to develop because if we understand the goal is to be perfect, so we will inevitably live a life of deep frustration. If we understand that the goal in life is to be engaged in the process of the pursuit of perfection, our life will be rich and rewarding and it will be fueled by constant growth. As opposed to having this unrealistic expectation, we'll recognize that making the most of the battle in the moment is what life is all about. We're currently currently involved in articulating a set of skills which will empower us to live life in a very different manner. The umbrella that allows us the access to a different life to the one that we had perhaps predict for ourselves, embracing creativity in the moment is known as the growth mindset. The growth mindset encourages, encourages us, pushes us to instead of becoming trapped in the prison of our minds and reinforcing old and unhelpful behaviors, we redeem ourselves by recognizing that those old and I would say perhaps stagnating ways of being are not helping me. They're just as well a story in my head that I can replace with a different kind of narrative. And there always has to be a narrative because that's what allows us to function. But I would like to draw a comparison from the Gemara, from the Talmud. The Talmud has an ebb and flow. The ebb and flow characteristically follows the following trajectory. An idea is presented. The idea that's presented is well reasoned and well thought out. Almost immediately after the presentation of that idea, there's a contradictory um, proof, disproof, there's a raising of a difficulty, there's an external source which makes that suggestion obsolete. In other words, there's a challenge. There's a challenge to that presentation. Anyone who's been exposed to a little bit of Talmudic thought recognizes that there's a constant flux of presentation of idea, problem, rejection, reevaluation, new suggestion. Problem, rejection, reevaluation, new suggestion. In other words, that almost becomes the rhythm of thought. The rhythm of thought is coming up with a brilliant well-orchestrated, clearly delineated idea, and that idea then collides with some kind of problem. And then there's a swivel and there's a pivot. And that pivoting, that pivoting potential is at the core of growth, human striving, development, insight, understanding, wisdom. The power to pivot. The power to radically reevaluate everything I was so convinced of before and seeing it in a new light. And what prompts me to do that is it collides with something. There's some problem. I develop something. Now, the natural inclination that I have when I'm about to be collided with and after the collision is I want to cling on to that old narrative and just push it through. I don't want you to let go of it. It's comfortable. And the comfort zone is comfortable. And letting go of it creates discomfort. I feel unease. 
There's so many unknowns, there may be fears, and therefore I want you to cling on to, for emotional reasons, my narrative and the story in my head. But when I have the courage to let it go, a new world opens up for me. And that new world is a secret to living a life which is constantly vital, changing, developing. The power to pivot is not only a secret in self-development, in intellectual awareness, intellectual depth. That actual power to pivot is also the secret of all good business innovation. The only way that we can introduce disruptive technology into the world is by being disruptive. So the autonomous vehicle, for example, was spearheaded, is being spearheaded by a, a company called Mobileye. Mobileye was the greatest takeover of a startup in the history of Israeli startups. It was, this was already probably now eight or nine years ago. It was bought by Intel for more than $12 billion. And Mobileye was this organization that initially the, the founder of the organization figured out how he could install a camera in front of a car which could see 3D without having two different cameras. A little bit like our eyes. This is how he worked it out. In order to see real 3D, you need two eyes, binocular vision. That's how you get depth. You can't see depth with one eye. I want you to all close your one eye. Did anything change? No. Nothing changed. Because we have a replacement mechanism that really only at close, close quarters do you actually notice a difference. We have an illusion of 3D even when we've got one eye, which is amazing. He figured how to do this with a computer. So he created a single point camera which could create 3D vision. And then he installed it in front of a car. When Toyota saw this, they were blown away. He didn't, he didn't even realize the potential. But he was using it for essentially cruise control of a car on a highway that you could just put on a button and the car would run at a certain speed. But then you realized when other cars would come in front of it, the car would have to slow down. So he gave the braking of the car over to the computer. And it was a safety device. And it was very kind of successful. And then you realized, well, one second. If I can get the car to speed up, and I can get the car to slow down, why can't I just get the car to drive? Boom! And there was a pivot. The pivot was not, oh, we're going to make more secure vehicles, but we're going to create an autonomous car. And there was a life changer for the company, which got kind of went from this really irrelevant company, housed in a small little house in the remote area of Jerusalem, to this multi-billion dollar company, which is probably going to be one of the major factors in creating a completely different life. Because once autonomous vehicles hit the roads, everything's going to change, and foreseeably in the future, no human will be allowed to drive a car. It will just be too dangerous. Whereas when you've got all the autonomous vehicles cooperating with one another, it should wipe out the accident rates to like 0.1%, which means literally millions of lives will be saved. But there'll be many, many other 
consequences. For example, you wouldn't really need to own the car. You could have automatic taxis, which you could just order online, and they'll be at your door when you need them. They'll take you. Whilst you're going to wherever you need to go to, you can use their time doing the stuff that you need to do. So people that may be willing to live outside of the city in more pastoral areas because really travel doesn't take up that much of their actual time. They can do whatever they need to do whilst in that vehicle. It's going to completely take away the need for parking lots located in a particular place because you can just call the car 15 minutes advance and it'll be with you so you can have parking lots located way outside of the city. Which we, I mean, the, the consequences are immeasurable, but it's all about the pivot. If you can't pivot, so then you just do the same old, same old, same old, same old, same old. Now that's not only in the narrative, it's actually in the actual thought process itself. Think about it this way. We think many thoughts per day. Now it's hard to, it's hard to document how many thoughts a person has per day. But they've done different studies to try, one of them, one of them is called sampling to try to evaluate how many people, how many thoughts people have a day. And they estimate it's about 60,000. I've heard 80,000. Now, what is the content of the thoughts that we're having in the course of our day? If you think about it this way, if the thoughts that we have, have every day are the same kind of thoughts that we had the day before, then our thoughts are going to be trapping us. And if our thoughts are the same, so we're going to be behaving the same. And if we're going to be behaving the same, so we get locked up into perhaps sometimes destructive habits which aren't moving me forward in life. Once I recognize that I can actually access the thought-generating engine and introduce new and innovative thinking, that I can swivel and I can pivot, so then I can introduce new kinds of thoughts into my thought vocabulary to open up new ventures and new vantage points to myself. And it's based on this notion of growth mindset that between the stimulus, which is the event, and the response, in the world of stagnated thinking, there is no space. If there is this event, I will respond in this way. In the world of innovative thinking, embracing the notion of the swivel, the pivot, and the change between the event and the response, there is a space in which I can choose to turn, to pivot, to swivel, and do something very differently from the way it was done yesterday. And innovate a new kind of thinking. How many times do you respond in the same way to a comment from a close one? Every time my mother says to me, can you make sure you, I just hear the tone of voice, okay mom, stimulus. Mother, in my mind, in my story, nagging voice. Response, resigned complacency or resistance. How about this? Nagging voice, how about compassion? How about curiosity? Thanks, Ma. Why, why do you want me to do that particular thing? Well, it's really important to me. I get that. I get compassion, connection. How about enthusiasm? Yes! I'd love to do that for you. There are almost unlimited ways of responding to that. How many times when we, when we get caught in traffic does it create some kind of internal resistance? Traffic jam? Frustration. How about traffic jam? Opportunity to contemplate. Traffic jam. Ah, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to phone someone that I haven't phoned before. It's creating time for me. It's not taking time away from me. 
swivel, pivot. And I can do that a million times a day. No, 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 no. no. 80,000 times a day. <laughs> 60,000 times a day. Now imagine what kind of generated growth that will, that will give me as I constantly am in the process. Now obviously, to do that from zero to 60,000 is a little bit perhaps overambitious. But how about from zero to 20? 20 new thoughts per day. 50 new thoughts per day. If you're having 60,000, it sounds realistic. And what will happen to me? Well, those new thoughts will generate new thoughts. And those new thoughts will generate new thoughts. And I'll become a swiveler, a pivoter, a changer. And when I become a changer, then what happens is the person that's predicted in the future is very hard to grasp because exponential growth is almost unfathomable, unpredictable. I don't know which way it's going to go. It's a little bit like one of the most shocking um, examples of multiplication is water lilies that produce at the rate of, they, they double themselves every day. The day before the pool is completely covered by water lilies, half the pool is completely covered by water lilies. And then, and then it would be like, well, there's no more pool. But that's, that's, that's the idea of this generate. And then, and then what happens is I start to, I start to get excited. I start to feel off the, feed off the energy of change. Because change is really revitalizing. Innovation creates a spark in my life. And I lose that burden of boredom that betrays the basis of bewildering being. I'm able to take off the shackles of the bondage of blind, belligerent, benign behaviors which keep me caught incarcerated, captured in some kind of conceptual cage without the keys. And that would be miserable. Instead, I can transform, transport, and transmit to my life the thought, the idea, the notion be able to be something else than I am right now. And that's what the growth mindset takes on. <clears throat> the story in my head is only a story. It doesn't have to be. It's not imperative. Experiences that are there so I can learn from them. I can shift. I can pivot. And I have the power to change. Unlimited almost. <coughs> But how do you initiate? Practically speaking, I want practical, practical, tangible advice. How do you initiate that swiveling process? Step number one. Mindful awareness. Mindful awareness is initiated very easily by gaining control of the breath. So when my story collapses, 
I had this great Havamina expectation and it's shattered. Instead of clinging on to it, stop. Breathe. Stop. Breathe. Right now in this moment, my story just collapsed. For me, every single person in this room should be riveted, engaged. Your eyes should be shining, enlightened. And when I look around at the room, that's true of no one. No one. My story in this moment, boom, was shattered. This stuff is rocket science of self. And you know what? The only person that cares is me. <laughs> That's called bad communication. That's called pathetic teaching. That's called, I'm not doing this good. So what I do? So now, boom, my story collapsed. So I could hang on to my story and say something like this. Well, uh, these oaks are so hard to teach. I don't know what to do. I give them the good stuff. They look at me like I'm screwed. I don't know what to do. I could say, hmm, that didn't work. Let me innovate. Let me swivel. Let me pivot. This is the reality. They're not engaged. They're not getting anything out of this. This is an ideal opportunity for me to practice what I preach. Let me see if I can do something that will change and shift their perception to being something different so they can embrace these ideas which can be for them so empowering, so life-changing. If only, if only they would grab onto these skills, they'd have a different tomorrow. But they're not getting it. And they don't care. I don't know if I can make them care. I don't know if I can. What could I do? What could I do? What could I... I need to learn. It's not about me. It's not about, oh, you didn't do well. Oh, you failed. No, get yourself out the way. I'm out the way. Okay, what can we do? What can we do? So let me think about this. Strategize, innovate, pivot. Pivot. How about this? So guys, I was just thinking to myself, it could be the problem with my presentation style is too much eye contact. What you need to do is you need to see my back. And then you'll be engaged. And you know what? If you're not, I'll never know. <laughs> well. So yeah, we go. So this is real life. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? How in the world do I get you more engaged? I think you know what the problem may be? He said to himself, thinking in his head. There could be... I think, I think you're all aware of this. That today, full frontal teaching has gone completely out of style. No one can sit and listen to someone else speaking. We need to be participating. We need to be giving, our, we need to be active agents in that educational process. And if we're just sitting and listening to this oak drone on and on, it gets a bit much. It just gets a bit much. So when we're thinking about, and this is going to be something which I'm going to prompt you to contribute to, and I want all of you to think about this. I want you to all of you, at this moment, in time, I want you to think of an example in your own lives when you had an expectation, a projection of what would occur and it didn't work out the way you anticipated and you responded in a predictable way. And I want you to think about that and then I want you to think, suggest to me 10 different ways of how you could have responded. 10 different ways of how you could have responded. Are you ready for this? This is a challenge. Think in your head about something that didn't turn out the way that you anticipated and then think about 
10 different ways that you could have reacted. And when you think about those 10 different ways, you've liberated yourself from being bound to live a life of predictable boredom.